Um, right, yeah. welcome back. <laughs> yeah, Jenny. let's begin. Yes, Jenny, yeah, that was let's very begin. Um, let's go. Let's nice, go. nice. Let's do um, mischievous whispers like Bugsy squirrels. Oh, we could do an ASMR episode where we talk about his soothing me. I can't talk that way. <laughs> and also I'm the purpose, a... the purpose of, of that is to help people fall asleep, which maybe our podcast does already, so we don't need to. Oh, talk we're about... going for SNR. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to talk in long, soothing sounding vowels and, you know, calm people to sleep so that they calm and go into their Zen place. And so when they finally go to sleep, we should go bang! Okay, so back, bring, thanks for bringing everyone back. To the yes, yes, don't send them to sleep when we've only just started. Sorry. Um, yeah, so as I say, I kind of always forget to do this, but Jamie, do you want to uh, explain what episode we're reviewing? Um, I'll give, give you a one minute summary. Um, okay, so we are uh, reviewing the second episode of season two Star Trek Voyager called, I believe, Initiations. My summary of the episode in less than one minute, uh, delivered in the mind of a teenage boy, is Chicote enables the traditional Kazon practice of turning children into child soldiers, but manages to somehow be positioned to look badass while doing this and enabling the practice to continue to the advantage of someone who he beat in battle who happened to be a teenager. Very good. <laughs> Can't say anymore. <laughs> yes, oh, you're speechless. Element of um, child warriors that they touched on. Star Trek Ray does touch on a lot of things. Touches the deep stuff. Touches the deep stuff. And I gather from uh, one of our fans who made themselves known to you that we talk about the deep stuff. So it's important we continue that. Shout out to Karen. Thank you for your feedback. <laughs> oh, we have a name. Brad, you weren't willing to tell us who it was when you told us about this before. Karen, hello. And it is wonderful to hear that we have a listener. Um, Just the Red, one. Red has told me before that we have them, but I've been convinced it's a stitch up up until now. Oh my gosh, I really hope she listens to this episode now. Um, <laughs> but yes, do you want to shout out to any states in America while we... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I gather we have a follower in Hawaii and a light dusting of blue in Oregon, whatever that means to do with uh, our listeners. But hello to all of you. Um, I am the least podcasty person on the planet, and I remain convinced that this is an elaborate thought trap that Red is playing on me. It <laughs> <laughs> just greets some non-existent viewers and listeners um, just to make me sound like even more of a pompous ass than this accent makes me sound. But um well, Hello, all the same. Make yourself known. We'd love to hear who you are and what possessed you to listen to two incredibly intelligent people and one retard. Um, sorry, <gasps> one very silly oh, person who sounds uh, very entitled. Please edit uh, my self-reference out uh, of that. And um, yeah, we hope you enjoy our take on this very enjoyable episode. Oh, that was brilliant, Jamie. I mean, I'm not going to do any editing, but I was going to say... <laughs> no! that... I'll get cancelled! Why who? I was going to say... Um, Our listeners in Oregon. Um, what was I going to say? Oh my god, I've gone blank. One cool thing. Yeah, no, that, um, let's, that was let's... so not rehearsed. So not rehearsed. <laughs> um, Shall we start? Yeah, but I have one cool thing. So I did ask my brother to make some jingles or make a jingle for our podcast <gasps> so we can have an intro Ooh. and an outro. 
And I think I've managed to load them up onto the soundboard <gasps> so we can kind of have a listen. I think. I've not actually tried this. I should have actually tried this before we came on the call. Oh, yeah, I think I can hear it as we go. Oh, I can hear something. I can hear it. This is jingle one. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, red is <laughs> index finger dancing. <laughs> I like this one. It's very upbeat. You know, when you said jingle, I thought it was going to be something like a uh, like a kitty litter ad with someone singing. <laughs> oh no, I just like a musical intro, musical. That's, intro. that's the next rung of celebrity that we need to climb. Um, so the second one, I've only got two. Because uh, we will have to decide, and or if you have any feedback, you can give us that to me after the call. I think it will start playing now because I just did what I did last time. Here we go. Ooh. Much more epic. Maybe at the end, when people are asleep. Can be a musical outro. <laughs> Ironically, given what you just said, when I started hearing this, for uh, whatever reason, I, I was reminded of Insomnia by Faithless. Ah, oh, one of my favourites. Oh, I really like that, but I do feel like it's quite serious. I'm not sure how, <laughs> how much it matches the character of the podcast. Which is exactly why we should go for it. We need every form of baroque rococo over the top pompery to uh, offset the rather tongue-in-cheek take that we have on Star Trek to avoid me getting cancelled for not taking this sacred material seriously enough. Well, back to the jingle. I think I like number one, and I can ask him to make like a shorter version, because I think currently it's 30 seconds, but um, if everyone's happy with that. Sounds good, yeah, but definitely shorter. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I preferred Faithless. Well, Faithless is at the end. We can have an intro and an outro, and they don't have to match because this is our podcast, and we can do what we like. Um, right, so initial reactions of initiations. Jenny, do you want to kick us off? I really don't on this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping that um, someone else... I can go. Go, on you, go to you, I Jenny. think I get what you're saying. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, I'm not really feeling it. But then we had that gap and then I had to watch it again and then I watched it again and then on each rewatching, I kind of took more away from it, if that makes sense. Um, mm. You watched it three times? Yeah, because I watched it once last week to kind of make a summary. Then I had to watch the end to check the summary because I was using ChatGPT, which just likes to make up scenes which aren't in the show. Um, and then I... Um, so maybe I don't know. I can't remember, but I definitely watched it at least twice or two and a half times. Um, but then I was like, I don't know, maybe as we go through, but my initial reaction was like, I guess a bit... I can't believe I'm saying this about Star Trek, but a bit meh. But then um, as I rewatched it many times, I got, I got more from it. Yeah, I, wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that I uh, disliked the episode. Um, I guess some episodes I just feel that I have a lot to chat about and a lot to say. And for some reason, that was not the case with this one. But uh, mm. I don't think that means it was bad. Um, mm. I just think someone else should start. <laughs> Jamie? I don't you answer never, questions. You never, you've never, yeah, you normally interrupt. You don't answer. <laughs> I was like, wait, why are you talking? I'm so confused. <sighs> Frankly, Red, I don't think that's any of your business. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know why I've decided that I'm taking the police interrogation room 
uh, approach to this one. Um, no, I actually enjoyed it. I felt it had a bit of boys' own adventure to it. Um, it wasn't for all of the fact that I tried to paint Star Trek with making someone enabling the practice of child soldiery look good uh, as my summary of it. I I didn't feel like it went into too many deep issues. It was just a bit more sort of a, oof, I don't know, a slightly Star Warsy space romp more than most of the other Star Trek episodes I come across. So I quite like that. It was fun. There was elements of there were elements of adventure without it seeming too serious. Um, yeah, I liked it actually. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I always like Kazon hair as well. I don't know why. Oh god. Always, I always <laughs> wanted a boof like that. Honestly, I always think they they remind me of like walking living coral. I think I've said this before, mm. but there's something about the hair. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I think in the teaser, the teaser sets up. Um, the episode pretty well but Chakotay mm. has been granted permission to form this ritual and to do that he's taken a shuttle mm. um uh, but he kind of drifts into Kazon Oglis space but I thought before we get into the like um you know what happens next any comments on the ritual or um I think like oh he's... I I love the format of Chakotay's prayers I I know that sounds like a really weird thing to say but I really like that sort of there's almost an an unpresumptuousness about the format of acknowledging how far it is from the traditional underpinnings of what were presumably the origins of whatever his faith system and structure were, and that humbleness to ask a favour of whatever the local spirit is to do something as a kind and benevolent favour. And I, I really sort of like the nature of that prayer. Um, it always strikes me as both dignified, simple, but meaningful as well. Hmm. Yeah, I thought you would probably have more to say about that than I did because I had nothing to say about it. So I, I, yeah, I think that's a really nice um, perspective and comment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he is kind of this. This ritual is uh, abruptly um, kind of interrupted. Halt. Or halt. Yes. Do you want to explain what happens, Jamie? Or... Um, well, I, I'm sure I'll get the sequence wrong, but as he's sort of preparing for this, we're juxtaposed with um, a Kazon vessel noticing the, and being angry about the fact there was a Star Trek vessel flaunting it, and, and they make a big deal of this. Their badges, how dare they wear their badges in Ogla territory. Um, and a child, and effectively the scene is set for this child Kazon to go and try and shoot it down as part of his his manhood initiation ritual and I think there's actually quite a nice juxtaposition of the two different cultures um, rituals one, one of which is initiation into manhood and one in, which is in some respects a bit of a goodbye uh, in the goodbye to his father and I think that sets us up for rather a nice plot element and mechanism of contrast between the two cultural value systems throughout this episode, which makes me think I was perhaps a bit premature in dismissing it as not particularly deep and meaningful. But I do, I do like the fact that you have the serenity of Chakotay undertaking his ritual, just absolutely interrupted by bang, phaser fire, or uh, weapons fire hitting a shuttle. Yeah, no, I think you you described that brilliantly. And then um, just I just enjoyed the one line where 
I guess Chakotay makes contact with this young Kazon boy and he's like, he called, he's like, listen, son, like, what are you doing? And then this kid replies like, I'm not your son. I'm your executioner. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> yes, <Jamie>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is yeah. a good line, I would say. Oh, dear. Um, this is probably completely um, unnecessary kind of tangent, but I, I can't help but wonder when things like that happen, where he uses the word of son, um, how this universal translator, it must be incredibly good, <laughs> like incredibly good. Because, yeah. I mean, in some languages, do, do, maybe they don't even have a, a, a word for, for that phrase. <laughs> you know, obviously, son in its... Um, direct sense means you know mm. your male um biological child but he's not using it in that sense um and so how does that translate but obviously the kid carl understood it exactly as he meant it in that kind mm. of like kind of condescending oh i'm a bit older than you i know better you listen to me son um uh, yeah it was just a thought that gross <laughs> i just thought wow they have an amazingly sensitive universal translator going on there. <laughs> that is a very, very mm. good point. Um, uh, I didn't think of that at all, but yes, um, I agree. And then I think just to, this kid is on a mission to earn his name. Uh, and obviously, mm. his, um, as you said, he's that's by attacking Chakotay. So in, so that's the teaser. We go into act one and um, Chakotay is obviously, once he realizes that he's fighting a, a younger, younger person, mm. He's hesitant to engage with in, in any kind of kind of serious confrontation, mm. but he manages to uh, disable the vessel, the Kazon's vessel, um, the engine. But it's, uh, in doing so, I guess he triggers some kind of explosion, and so the the, mm. the shuttle, the Kazon shuttle, is about to explode. Um, he uses his transporter beam to beam Car, uh, which is the name of the Kazon boy, out of it. I, I have to admit, I found this scene a little bit. It was sort of the slowest sort of aerial space combat scene that I think I've seen in pretty much any franchise ever. And I was a bit like, this is clearly uh, <laughs> clearly a battle of dwarves insofar as space aerial combat goes. Yeah, I didn't, I have to be honest, I did not pick that up, but they are just two little shuttles in the, in the, <laughs> um, slow and motion. I think, yeah, in slow motion. And then uh, I think Chakotay, before he rescues them, he is trying to like communicate with them and like say, you, you know, you need to eject. If you have an escape mm. pod, you must use it now. Uh, and there's just like radio silence, which I guess is kind of hinting at the attitude of the person. Mm. In that I mean, either they, they've disabled as in maybe they're unconscious or something, but um, mm. they don't take self-preserving action. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's up to the to kind of rescue rescue this young kid on. Mm. Although it's I think he's part. unconscious when he then beams him, doesn't isn't he? Initially, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But but, but then... even so, throughout the combat, it's clear that Chakotay has the upper hand, and he's allowing Carr. He, he in fact allows him numerous opportunities to get out or stop fighting. Um, because he doesn't want to harm a child, and because it's quite clear that he has both skill and vessel superiority. Um, and it's quite clear that the point that Red is making, that the belief system that's driving Carr to this act doesn't really allow him many self-preservatory options. Yeah, I mean, as Jane said, maybe he was actually unconscious, but um, he did, I think, as you say, have opportunities beforehand to mm. try and rescue himself. Mm. Um so Chakotay manages to beam him on board, but his shuttle has sustained damage. They've lost contact with Voyager. Um, 
And the next scene takes us back to Voyager. Jamie, mm. I feel like you're going to have a lot to say about this. Captain Janeway, Neelix, in her ready room. Go. Oh, yes, yes. Ca- Captain Janeway doing uh, a saint's worthy job of patient stakeholder management. Uh, as Neelix uh, tells her how he feels that having vowed to be the backbone of the crew as they drive to get out of the Delta Quadrant and sweat himself to the bone, he feels underutilised and the captain sort of flatters him saying, why some of your recipes, that they may even be edible. And it's one of the things she says in praise of um, what what he's doing. Um, and Neelix says, I, I feel underutilized. Uh, at which point the, uh, the captain says, it was the fact that the bridge crew didn't invite you to the war training scenario, wasn't it? He was like, yes, that's oh, exactly life. why. It just made me and... laugh so much because it's like, what a typical human, I mean, like, oh. Uh, response like oh they feel left out so now they're complaining about something else <laughs> yes. yeah i love um, that she cuts to the chase she's like right well you'll be invited next time moving on yes <laughs> um but in the middle of this which sort of again i i have to suppress the urge to talk about the level of titanic self-delusion on Neelix's part <laughs> that uh, his complaints uh, represent both in terms of uh, his own perception of his worth and uh, ability levels. Uh, this is interrupted as the captain is informed that Chakotay is missing. Yes. Um, and I, I think that I've made very few notes here, but um, Chakotay is reported missing. He hasn't returned, I guess, at the expected mm. time, if I remember correctly. And mm. so Voyager plots a course to his last known coordinates and heads mm. in that direction. Um, yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Do, do Starfleet shuttles not have some sort of a tracker on them or at least register where the hell they're going? Because you, you sort of think that if you're taking a shuttle out in the middle of space when you're presumably going full blast for home, you would let folk know where you were going. Yeah, yeah, no, they do make reference to his flight plan. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. And um, mm. I think usually they don't have a tracker because they follow the warp trail, I guess. Yes. Iron trail, something. I believe. Iron trail, yeah. Something Iron like trail. But no, they do, I do remember they, they mentioned, uh, I think it's later on they talk about his location and his flight plan. No, let's not indulge in the base art of picking holes in the plot. No, but also I think it's funny to see what people were thought of as advanced technology 20 years ago or more, I can't, I don't remember, versus like what is commonplace, what lands up being commonplace, like tracking is pretty on earth. Are you saying that Apple tech has outdistanced Starfleet tech? Well, until they put like that find me tag on a shuttle in space. (laughs) Yes, I was going to say, do you think that Find Me app on the phone will work? <laughs> like K's on, K's on Oculus Space, Delta Quadrant. Yes. Uh, yes, then then we all, then we can find out. Um, yeah. Oh, one thing I struggle with this episode is I can't really remember it. I have to really rely on my notes. I guess not a lot to hmm. start. Yeah, me too, actually. I'm I'm mm-hmm. using using your notes, Red. Um, even though I just watched it yesterday. Yeah. Um, so we're back on the shuttle, a Chakotay shuttle with Kaur, um, the young Kazon kid, and they encounter first Maj Razik's ship. Mm. 
And uh, Carr's already pretty tense. I just noted down that he says he has one line, I think, which is like, you should have let me die. So he doesn't yeah. happy about seeing his, like, I guess, potential rescuers from a normal perspective. Um, uh, Chakotay tries, to, like, he, I think he makes contact, uh, comms contact with the, the Kazon ship, and he's trying to ne negotiate, like, the return of Carr. He's like, I've got this kid, do you mm. want him back? And they just end up being um, a tractor beam, is beaming them, the shuttle. Um, mm -hmm. and uh, Carr actually expresses a desperate plea for Chakotay to end his yeah. life rather than yeah. greets him. And he explains so, that there are some things worth, worse than death, mm. which yeah. is, you know, a good scene ender because yeah, you want to a magic line. Good God, what, what, what's going to happen on the ship? What's worse than death? Yeah. Very dramatic. I, I quite like the way that, I mean, a lot of this is seen through the, the teenage vista of anything that goes wrong is the end of the world. You should have killed me. There are some things worse than death. That <laughs> literally everything. I mean, yeah. I, I sort of like that. Carl, the fact that actually, you know, under typical circumstances, he could have expected to be killed when Chakotay brought him back only sort of adds an irony to it. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, the, there is that kind of teenage point of view, I guess, that he has, but mm. because of the culture that he's in, but also, as you say, like, uh, mm. if, when you're that young, you can't see the point of having a long, happy life sometimes. Um, you're not, you can't imagine yourself, you know, growing old. Mm. But yes, maybe it's a different thing. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I was going to say... I, I was just going to say, I wish I wish they'd given us the name of the Kazon ship, because it sort of, it lacks an identity. It's just the Kazon ship. Oh yes, sorry. Am I saying it too much? Kazon on ship, case on ship. Case no, on no, no, no. <laughs> can we can we assign it the code name? Something suitably dramatic, like I don't know, the Blood Reaver. Okay, you can call it that. I'll, I'll try to remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, and Kara brought to the Blood Reaver. Yes, and um, <laughs> exactly, they brought to the Blood Reaver, and Kara has to desperately try and explain why he's still alive to his superiors. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> waste no time in asking him that. Why are you still alive? Yeah. And then um, I really thought it was interesting because I think uh, I can't, again, my no I'm relying heavily on my notes here, but, you know, they equate wearing markings in the, like, the space mm. as acting as if they own the space. I'm like, these these kids are already <laughs> transferring a lot of their own thinking mm. onto Chakotay or other. And cultural baggage. Yeah, it's like, wow, you're really interpreting that very strongly a certain way in mm. this no real reason. Mm. And he's um, at some point he's apologising, saying, "Well, uh, you know, I, it was a genuine mistake because I didn't know there was nothing to tell me that this was your space." And they say, "Well, no, because their boundaries change on a daily basis." Yes, I'm mean, <laughs> not sure conflict goes what, forever. What conflict level is there here? Could you? There's some high expectations here, expecting anyone to know where the boundaries are mm. when they don't know what they are on a daily basis themselves. Mm. Um, very strange. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was, I mean, I think, again, I think there are, there are I mean, there's evidence in human societies in history and now that there are people that think like this and there are people that um, are, I think, again, it's a lot of transferring of, or assuming no, people nomadic cultural values. I know, I have no idea if it's that, but like our territorial cl claims change every day. That is to ensure that violence can continue every day. That's not to mm. reach a non-violent mm. solution. Like that's like uh, mm. they like wrapped up in the details of this, the the regions rather than just being like let's end this. And then um, when uh, 
I think Razik says, is it Razik says like to Chakoti, everything you are is a threat to us. And then he's like, your laws and technology. It's like, well, because laws and technology would end this fighting. So it's like, no, you know, like, um, why? Mm. Anyway, some people want to fight. Well, I, I guess that makes sense because it's all, I feel like this episode is all about like identity and, you know, what gives you your identity, what gives you your name. Um, and I think mm. in, those situations, well, so I've read, heard, been told, um, where there's just this conflict that's been ongoing for such a long time that, unfortunately, then especially you know kids who brought up in that kind of conflict, yeah. that that conflict is a part of their identity, and therefore there's um, potentially a completely unconscious um, desire to continue it at all costs because it, it is you know it's them, it's who they are, and they don't know who they are don't know what to do outside of it. Um, and maybe that's part of this, that's what's propelling it on Red, as you're saying, like putting in devices, strategies that will ensure it continues, like the fact that no one ever knows where the boundaries are, so it'll always continue. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it, like I guess if you're interested in personal power, this system will appeal to you because you, you see a route perhaps to getting that by overcoming or killing your... <laughs> fellow whatever mm. and it's a bit like when i look when i listen to like medieval history or whatever not you know like it's like oh my god i would never want to be in power i would never want to be king because the minute you're a king you're like at risk of everyone trying to like take you out drop your head off yeah <laughs> but someone there's people that like oh the risk is worth it because if i get to be king i don't know something great happens you have some power or wealth or money i'm like to me that does not seem worth it like honestly mm. um or maybe pre-medieval history even i mean i'm I'm not a history expert, but some people seem drawn to that way of, you know, getting mm. power. And I'm just like, mm, doesn't seem worth it. Yeah. yeah. I guess don't seem to justify um, the risks. It's hard to understand, but then maybe it's hard for us to understand because we weren't brought up in a... Yes. <laughs> and I- wrapped, wrapped up in conflict. I mean, I'm only, mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not, I'm not thinking of current events, but like we have way more, much, we have way more to lose in a sense. Cause I mean, we have a nice life, we have stable life, we have, but if you've grown up in say medieval, I don't know, England, France during the hundred years war, where life is unstable, mm. fighting wars all the time. No one Nothing really cares to live or die. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm really mischaracterizing that, but um, then it's, uh, but I'm like, I already, yeah. I don't want to die. That's just what it comes down to. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I thought I thought that was a really. I guess by the third time I watched this, I was like, "Wow, that is quite quite a lot going on in this scene." <laughs> yeah. um, and in the meantime, uh, Voyager did arrive at Chakotay's last known coordinates, and they find some debris that could be a Starfleet shuttle. So they're like, mm. "Oh, you could see they're a bit concerned." Uh, this debris gets beamed to um, engineering for analysis. Um, and Tuvok picks up on an iron trail, and so they mm. follow that. And luckily, when the debris is analyzed, Taurus identifies it as Kazon, not Starfleet. So that's dun, dun, dun. Big, mm. big Is not there a stage though? And I, yeah, I forget if it was this scene or another scene, but in which the uh... oh no no ignore me. I know that I know the scene I'm thinking about coming up because the Doctor is in there. But anyway, oh, that's carrying on. Yeah, yeah. Write the doctor down, but actually had a very funny scene. So we don't forget to mention that. 
Yeah, so this... it's just that one one scene How later. How could you forget him? He's our hero. So <laughs> we always... haven't given him any near, anywhere near seen. enough player of the episode uh, uh, nominations. He's going to get so many star players. So many, I agree. He's yeah, so... later on, oh, really? you'll get every episode. Don't worry about yeah. <laughs> not bad for it. Not bad for an actor. I thought was an extra from Scrubs. So I always make. I always thought that actor also acted the lawyer in Scrubs. Well, first of all, um, they are two different people. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, they are. Oh, well, they're both very funny. That guy died. Oh, did he? During a, I mean, not oh. from COVID, I think, but during that COVID period. Was oh. it at a Star Trek convention? Well, no. Because ironically, <laughs> ironically, part of the plot development for that Doctor from Scrubs was the fact that he goes to Star Trek conventions with his wife, uh, with his partner, the Gooch. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. No, I need to rewatch. Um, Yes. Meanwhile, on the case... Meanwhile, Red ever so slightly and politely <laughs> tries to direct us back to the bluff of oh, this yeah, episode. Jane, do you want to take us into We're having our traditional actually, meander. Yeah, I'm directing you back here with Red's amazing notes. I can sound like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, AI's on, amazing notes. <laughs> on the Kazon ship, Chakotay and Kara brought before the Kazon leader, and uh, Razik confronts Chakotay, blames oh, wait, him for Kara's disgrace. Oh, Act 3. Mm. Well, oh. I mean, we haven't actually picked up on the fact that the explanation for why there is so much hostility to um, the presence of a ship bearing symbols and uh, effectively uniform military uh, iconology, iconography on its side is that the Kazon fought for their independence from a military and cultural system that espoused this type of iconography and these types of uh, technology and administration. Um, and, and this is the context that's given to why, in addition to their intensely uh, territorial approach to any interactions with external parties, uh, the Kazon resented the Starfleet iconography in particular. Thank you for explaining that because honestly, I didn't get it the three times I watched. Really? Uh, yeah, I was. Really I, um, I had a, took a they different. They kept saying um, it, but I was like, I don't get it. Like, uh, they, yeah, they they fought off oppressors who, you know, had effectively a fleet military and um, organized military organization, and there's there's like a complete cultural contrast between that, um, and the Kazon sort of um, culture, which feels more of a tribal less homogenous i don't know if that's yes, the word yeah that's true uh less homogenous sort of setup and it's very ironic that it's jacoty of all characters who is there representing starfleet given his marquee and also tribal background yeah i mean as you say this is kind of like a clash of two cultures rituals um mm, i mean not clash, was... but it just a contrast um, um, yeah, I mean, is, is this because I mean, I think that there's a scene where the um, forgive me if we've already covered it, where um, Carl's sort of showing Chakotay all the uniforms um, <laughs> and he's saying, Well, this is um, Kazon, whatever his name, Kazon Smith, Kazon Brown. Um, they've all gained their names um, by, by um, killing a, this alien, a, acquiring um, the uniforms and, and you know, I don't know, materials but yes, but if- of the people they've killed. And in one of those people, he's like, this person killed my brother. I'm like, oh my mm. God, this doesn't make mm. any sense. But you, you know. Yeah. Um, so I guess that kind of ties into what Jamie was saying. Um, anyway, so Chakotay apologizes for trespassing on the case on Ogre's space. Um, and that's where he learns about everything Jamie's just spoken about. Uh, um, yes. And then 
Razik schedules an execution for that night. Oh, yes. Uh, Without specifying whose it is. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I kind of I just glossed over that. <laughs> 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 um, yes, that's right. Sorry, I kind of interrupted there. So um, uh, that does take us into kind of like in Act 3. So I don't know if you want to, you know, cover that, Jenny. Um, Meanwhile, on the Kazon ship. Chakotay's situation becomes increasingly tense as Razik offers him a choice to kill a Kazon named Car. Oh, yes. a Kazon named Car. We know who's called Car. Yes. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> was that AI again? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is, um, I should probably, you know, not, uh, I should probably adapt it. Uh, anyway. Um, but this is the execution um, of which we speak. Yes, Kazon, um, basically, Razik offers um, Chakotay a choice to kill Car or. He killed himself. Yes, and is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. And before, yes. even before this, even though it's on the, like all these like children are summoned or child mm. Kazon to like look at uh, Chakotay, Chakotay. and they're like, which one of you want to kill him? And they're like, me, me. I mean, no, <laughs> not quite. But... Mm. but it's but it's interesting because before it's explained what's going to happen, you have those sort of five or six children, including Carl, looking at Chakotay, and Chakotay's assumption is, all right, so you're going to kill me to show them that my folk are weak okay and he he says that and it turns out to be the complete reverse of the situation because um chakotay says as it's happening to the children that he wishes them no harm and isn't there as a threat and um, razik responds by saying who wants to kill this interloper put your hand up and they'll jump up saying me he says they would all kill you if they could and he says and then he offers Chakotay the gun and says, now you either kill Carr or you get killed yourself. And uh, the dilemma and the situation thickens with an irony I found all too enjoyable. I'm mm. glad you enjoyed it. But it's also, again, it's like if you cross your own, you're worse than an outsider, in a sense. Or if you don't abide by the rules of your society, you're worse than an like, So we're thinking Chakotay's going to get killed. But actually, it's like the threat is more on Carr. And somehow he's seen like as a worse. Um... Yeah, he's a failure, because there's also that rather odd and touching moment when Carr first returns, where Razik greets him, grabs him in a hug, kisses him, and says, oh, yes. "I forgive you." Oh, does it say that? Because um, oh yeah, we passed over that, haven't we? I yeah. I wrote down. He also said, "I never thought I would see you like this." And then I kind of kisses him, and I was like, "Well, that's very menacing." It's <laughs> creepy, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, to pulls a maneuver. Um, oh, and I just have to... a quick line that I think mm. it's worth worth. Um, mm. At that point, Chakote says, and I think I wrote it down to beat him. You want me to kill a child in front of other children? What would that accomplish? Words to live by. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it would make them scared of failing. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but sorry, Jenny, go ahead. No, no, it was a good line. Um, mm. So, yeah, he manages to... Well, he, I think he sort of pretends he's going to take the weapon and kill Carl with it, but in fact he does a manoeuvre, some kind of fighting manoeuvre. Mm. just called it um, a surprise attack. <laughs> some kind of surprise attack, surprise! And um, he manages to grab the, the gun, or, mm. you know, phaser, whatever it is. Um, and then, um, you know, he grabs Razik as hostage as he sort of backs away, Um and that avoids all the other cases that are trying to um, fire on him. And mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, he offers Carr the opportunity to escape with him. 
Um, yeah, you're not very sure. Car hesitates. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he's, he's saying, well, this makes a good point. There's not really much left for you here, is there? All your kind mm. want to kill you. <laughs> you know that I'm not going to try and kill you. I would have killed you by now if I was going to. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, not really sure whether he's going to go with him, but in the end he does. Mm. Offering him the knowledge of how to shut down the uh, ship's weapon systems as he does. Yeah, so they get into the escape into a shuttle um, and when they not come under fire, shuttle. not just oh. any shuttle, a Starfleet shuttle, the very one that Chakotay came on, and this will be significant. Oh, is it? Okay, right. I, mm. Yeah, that they, escape, um, they escape the ship, although they're pursued, and uh, the, K, the larger Kazon ship showers them with fire uh, as they approach the M class planet, but they get close enough that even though, ooh, red hand shot in the air. Oh, no, 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 sorry, I didn't want to, but I, I don't want to, um, well, she was, I can't talk. Um, before we, we just get to that point, I just to express, some, I think Kate Akar does a good job of like expressing his reasoning for his decision to go with Chakotay, which mm. is like, if I stay here, I will die without a name. So in a way, he's like betraying his tribe, but he's also abiding by the rules because he still is trying to die mm, with the name. By the values. Uh, and I thought it was very sweet when they like were on the shuttle and he said, well, will Razik be all right? So he still has some empathy for mm. this crazy overlord. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. But in the flight, uh, they're showered with fire as they come close to the M-class planet and they get as close as they can and they're shot and Chakotay attempts to activate the transporter beam. Um... And then... And Alexa says, not a good idea. Yeah, exactly right. The ship says, uh, not advised. Uh, it's a long way, no stable lock. And we're left on a cliffhanger as to what happens because we go back to uh, Voyager and they find the debris that was left of the shuttle, which they identify as a Starfleet shuttle that was used by Chakotay, suggesting that he has perished. Yes. And this time it's very easy to identify the debris because it's actually got like some Starfleet insignia. Mm. So it doesn't take doesn't take me very long. I mm. should laugh. Um so in in Act Four, uh Chakotay and Car awaken on the moon's surface. Um so they're alive. They're alive. Yeah. They made it. Oh, team. <laughs> Transport worked. Mm -hmm. um, Car's initially hostile. I mean, he's like, that wasn't a battle. We didn't even shoot back. And now I'm stranded with you. He's mm -hmm. very upset. Um, Chakotay tries to wander off leaving him, but Car then proves his worth. Yes. Do you want to explain how? Oh, no, I was sort of teeing you up for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he this moon is a training ground for um, the Kazon. Mm. Uh, a training ground, which, as Neelix points out later, they where they use live ammunition and live uh, <laughs> like <Yeah>. weapons, <laughs> landmines. Yeah. So there's like proton beams and all kinds of weapons. So uh, if Chakotay is going to be able to navigate it through, he does really need Car's help, and Car does mm. um, and demonstrate I, I this. Good line here, where he was like, "If you want to live to be that." that wrinkled old man or whatever, you should listen to me. Because um, <laughs> earlier he was kind of astounded that Chakotay wanted to die in his sleep at 80 years old. 
sounds. Yeah. He said, you want to die a wrinkly old man in your sleep? And she goes, this sounds about right. Yes. <laughs> it's a sentiment I can get aboard with. Voice of sanity. Now, who wants to cover the scene of the Doctor? Because I go, Jenny, do not remember this at all. <laughs> Anything, Doctor. Got to do it. Um, so, back on Voyager. Doctor finds no evidence of human remains in the debris. So they think that there might be a chance to go to. How much debris is he looking through out of interest? I mean, visually, what does it look like? Well, he's looking for human remains on the debris. I, I don't think he's visually looking. I, I imagine he has some kind of, you know, exciting no, no, I mean, which... So we, we haven't really set the scene for our listeners for where the debris is, how much there is of it, and the subsequent sort of comic effect. Oh. Yeah, sorry, Jenny, it's not on the notes because I, I was like, I don't have time to give the doctor <laughs> like a spotlight to this episode. I'd just no, like to clarify, we have all actually watched this. <laughs> I don't remember no, so, it, no. I, do you on. not remember? The entire no. sick bay from bottom to top is absolutely, but absolutely chocker with all this burnt up metal and debris. And the doctor has been examining it in there. Um, and, and the doctor says, effectively, uh, there, there's no debris. Uh, there's no human remains in this debris. Could someone beam all of this out of sick bay now that I've looked through it? Yeah, he was very put out. He was very put out. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't give him the credit he deserved. <laughs> what is yeah, this? one scene. The doctor. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so the crew hypothesise that Chagoti may be on. I think this is where the flight plan comes in. They say, oh, we might be on that M-class moon um, with all the Kazon uh, training weapons. Um, <sighs> so. Captain Jane Rakers and Tuvok head to the surface to search for him. Mm. Yeah, and um, I, th- I thought you were going to um, lo- uh, criticise Neelix's line. Um, well, Neelix and Kez are kind of nominated as Kazon experts. That's why Kez gets taken to the pad and uh, Neelix Funny gets ha- to the bridge. Yeah. Mm. Funny which one of them actually gets picked as the person to be on point with the skipper in a potentially risky situation. <laughs> Uh, yes, that responsibility goes to Kez. I think Neelix had a funny line when they were like discussing all this live ammunition. He's like, I believe you call them booby traps, or whatever he says. <laughs> very, very well delivered. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Neelix is given some real responsibility. I guess tying back into that long ago moment that we've forgotten about where he, he feels underutilized. Mm. Um, and I think Chakotay's setting up a homing beacon um, back where he is in the caves with Carr. Mm. Um, and this is where Carr is um, considering killing him again to earn his name. Yeah, so while Chakotay's um, sleeping, there's like mm. a moment where you can see Carr messing with the beacon, pointing the weapon at Chakotay, and then... Mm. He changes his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. While, while Chakotay sleeps, no less. Hmm. Um, which although, is interesting because we'll find oh, out he wasn't it, actually although, sleeping. Well, he says that. He does say that. You look but, pretty peaceful you know, to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you might sort of say something like that, you know, just to push off a potential future murder, uh, murder well, attempt when Cog gains a little bit of confidence. Yeah, and it seems like an unnecessary risk. <laughs> if he mm. knew he was, if he was awake, uh, and he knew what was going on, why did he just lie there pretending mm. to be asleep while this young teenage case on pointed a weapon yeah. at him? I mean, Carl's Very about awkward. thirteen though, so he, he's blatantly going to go to sleep after it's eight o'clock anyway. 
Were you ever 13? Doesn't sound like it. I just found everything very boring at that age and I slept through it. Fair enough. Oh, wow. um, You were a very different teenager to me. I was just trying to stay up as late as possible. Yeah, you were a fun teenager, I think. Ouch. (laughs) Zing. (laughs) Zing. I was like, well, if Jenny is a fun teenager, I'm the opposite. <laughs> well, you just told us you slept through everything. So I'm going on the words that came out of your mouth, not like my own judgment. <laughs> I probably shouldn't mention here that mostly I was trying to start stay up late just so I could watch more TV. <laughs> this is not so fun. <laughs> I can get on board with. Um, but then uh, in the morning, they do have kind of a, kind of a meaningful conversation. I think so. Um, Chakotay, it's about like how Chakotay didn't have to earn his name, but he earned his uniform. And he's like saying, mm. Your name and my uniform, they're kind of the same. And Carl's like, mm. They're not the same. He questions <laughs> what Chakotay had to do to earn his uniform. Yes. He says, Well, years I mean, and years ju- of study. Yeah, and learning. it's not learning, a great learning. dramatic one line back. It's an interesting conversation, though, because he says, Well, it, it is years and years of study. It's a lot of um, hard work and it's um, also, you know, battle strategies. Um, there is that element, but then Carr comes back with, well, yes, but they're, what, what for? They're not attack. They're not to attack and kill people. They're t- defensive strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to Carr, that means that, uh, I don't know, his reaction kind of suggests that means they're worthless. They, defensive strategies are not the same thing. Well, yeah, and I just, I don't get why it's positioned that way by Chikoshi, because if you're part of Starfleet, you're part of a naval force, and a huge amount of your fighting doctrine is offense as well as defense mm, but it's in naval well yes it's not the uh, u.s navy it's uh, the uh, there's a fleet involved where they just... it's ships yeah, <laughs> it's ships ship. yeah <laughs> they engage in battle when they are fired upon they don't the romulan upon. navy or romulan fleet i will throw my mobile phone out of the window in frustration at you both willfully disregarding the point that I'm making, which is that one can hardly say Starfleet aren't trained in offensive manoeuvres yeah, as well as defensive manoeuvres. Mm. If I may casually make that point, you it's may. weird that Chakoti is entirely framing what he had to do of as opposed to, you know, saying, well, you know, you learn all of this, but I've learned how to fight and win battles with technologies your folk can only dream of. And mm. frankly, Chikoshe has also won more battles than this kid has heard of in fairy tales. Uh, and initially, there's a thought he could do that one, that sort of one-upmanship, but he doesn't. And it's sort of a, an odd but telling point that the point he makes back to this child isn't, you know... I fight more or, you know, we're braver. It's years and years of study. That's what <laughs> it takes. He's trying to not I mean, I'm, that, right? Exactly. Uh, mm. He's trying to be on the same level and trying to, again, find that common mm. ground so he can, mm. Carl can stop trying to threaten to kill mm. him. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I guess he is, the way he frames it as well, I, you know, he, he talks about battles to defend and sort of defend mm. and protect rather than yeah. battles to you know kill and win yeah uh, win land um but then it is an interesting exchange i think because then he doesn't push that point um mm. it kind of moves further away that when he says he talks about yes but but earning your name what did you do to earn your name and then he actually mm. goes back beyond his staff fleet and he goes back to mm. well 
in my tribe, I my name was a gift. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't mm. earn it at all. It was a cherished cherished and mm. treasured gift, um, which I think is quite a nice comeback. Because yeah. really, what can you say to that? I mean, mm. you know, he's not trying to say, "Oh, I've earned it. I've done all this, and you know, I'm a big deal, and I and I earned it, and therefore you should give me respect." <laughs> he's just um, he's almost like. What's the word when you um, de-escalate? You know, he's taking so back. He's saying, you know, it was given to me. It's that's why it's so important. Precious, yeah. Well, mm. he, he's almost giving the kid a different scale by which to value things. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like you know. I think you're right. I think you're both right. But um, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't hold on to a thought. What's wrong with me? We're very distracting, Red, I know. (laughs) It's all those busy work projects. um, Also, those those listening to our podcast should know that we're all naked as we do this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, getting a name as a gift is as good or as um, powerful powerful as earning your name. And and I guess it's just like, you don't have, like I guess Chakoti's kind of pointing out, you don't have to earn a name. It can be a gift. There's other ways of going through the world. Mm. or other beliefs you can have um uh but i did like the line i think Shikote, um when he's like what's so, i mean i don't know if i have this perfectly but he's like what's so different about us apart from the fact that i keep saving your life and you keep trying to kill me yeah. <laughs> it's a good line I think. Mm. yeah um so, so there's a lot of i'm too old for this shit kid out of Shikote <laughs> this episode yes. yeah it's yeah. an episode of lethal weapon <laughs> So five. Mm. Um, my question is, does Neelix sit in the captain's chair on the bridge? Yes, and it pisses <laughs> me the fuck off. <laughs> no one else would do that, and I'm a bit like I, I feel a little bit like Roy Kent in the scene in <sighs> Ted Lasso, where in front of all the players. Uh, Rebecca Wilson comes and says, Roy, get your hairy ass up in my office right now, and storms off. And the entire team go, and he turns around and says, every last one of you knows I don't have a hairy ass. And (laughs) one of you said anything, and I will never forget this. And I feel (laughs) as though if the captain ever finds out that uh, Neelix sat in that seat, she should have that conversation with every last one of the bridge crew on DC that day because yeah, no that one is an abomination. <laughs> no one even said anything. But anyway, it turns out to be not that bad a decision because when the uh, Kazon hail Voyager trying to uh, convince them that uh, Chakotay died and there's nothing to see here and they should bugger off, um, Neelix plays the hand of a cool hand, Luke Poker Blair, seeing through them and basically telling them i can see through you like a glass window <laughs> why why and i mean i'm trying to imitate neelix's uh, act slightly here but her uh, basically says and it would have nothing to do with the fact there's a kazon training planet here that you don't want us to find or tell anyone about would it now <laughs> um and he effectively persuades slash strong arms them to let voyager continue to search due to uh, the risks of a battle near their training base, drawing attention to it, which is, regretfully, I have to say, rather well played by Mr. Neelix. 
Huh, very good. A grudging, begrudging compliment. I hate him with my soul. <laughs> oh, poor Neil. No, that's All not true. It. Like, last time you were quite complimentary. I hate the me back then with my soul. <laughs> not so much. Um, oh, my gosh. Okay, so then we get... We, I feel like my notes are a bit all over the place, but the next scene we're in a cave, and as we said, um, Carr had thought about during the night killing um, Chakotay, and in the morning, Chakotay's like, why didn't you go through with it? Uh, and he's like, I'm a coward. And then a little bit mm. later, he has that line, like, if you're my friend, you're my only one. <laughs> was like, um, and, um, wow, Carr's really dumb, because he is really, feels like he's in a tight spot where he won't be accepted by Kazon, mm. no other sect will accept him. If he goes with Voyager, like Chakotay is suggesting now, he'll just get further away from home, and he's kind of very mm. depressed, I guess. So, mm. typical teenager on Monday night? Monday that morning? That's true, that's true. That puts it in perspective. <laughs> this, is, this is just a Kazon kid who has to do the equivalent of going into school. They're all like this, Red. Yeah, woe <laughs> is me. I mean, I was a teenager. I do really remember. Um... <laughs> I don't because I was asleep all the time. Uh, this is a very, very random interjection, but uh, oh no, maybe I shouldn't go here. I don't know. I mean, it's not. It's I mean, I just went to the Rebecca Welton, Roy Kent's hairy ass thing, so you should probably go there. No, it's a very random thought. It doesn't really belong here, but it's like I was listening to another podcast that I like. Uh, about, How could you? Um, you know, the Hercule Poirot <laughs> TV series. And like, oh. as I found out, I mean, not all podcasts, but often podcasts the founders of the podcast have a background in media and then that's why they make such a good podcast and then this guy was saying oh yes i had a show on bbc radio one or whatever i'm like ah, oh, another what a tool bag episode. so again just for unless in case it wasn't clear none of us have a background in media <laughs> Amy, i mean i i have voiced the occasional episode. voiceover for um english dubs of bollywood movies but you know <laughs> putting it out there and and don't forget your um, no no we're not talking about that that identifies me far too much i've heard you on the radio once or twice that's all i'm gonna say yes very good well yeah the the (laughs) scream as i was gunned down by a gangster or something like that um uh, so on the moon surface now we see janeway and her and kez and her crew who are like on the on Mm. i guess they're looking forward to kote um, did anyone notice that Kes was very out of breath trying to keep up with the captain? <laughs> I don't oh, shit. She was like, oh, she's like, I picked up the three. Yeah, uh, I thought that was just like, um, I don't know, there's something about that I thought was like good because I guess the captain is like in her element. For Kes, this is her first away mission. So she's also, a little bit out of her. Yeah. She also seems remarkably unfazed about uh, coming face to face with Kazon given they had her enslaved and beat her up for, you know, ages yeah. when we first came across her. But yes, they come across the Kazon that are now on the planet. I think it's Razik. Mm. But I honestly, for some reason, a lot of these details are mm. not sinking. And they're like, oh yeah, we'll help you find your lost uh, um, crew member. Crewmate, well, because it's a hazardous actually, environment. Yeah, mm. they're probably actually trying to get to them first. Um, but um, uh, So back in the cave, Chakotay picks up this like kind of descending mass of... of um, of Captain Janeway and her descending mass. And uh, <laughs> Kazon. Um, and he's trying to come up with a plan, I guess, that can help Carr save face and hmm. his name. Did anyone get the details of this plan? Well, yes. He, yeah. And, and it's a medical gonna... bit. Why don't you cover it? <laughs> 
I love Ouch. that I'm this like go-to as if I'm just to be clear to anyone listening I'm not actually a doctor at all <laughs> she's a brain surgeon I think you're our medical and linguistic experts so. I just yeah. uh, I, 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 I'm interested in those areas anyway yeah. um so uh yeah basically um Chakotay is a way um of him earning his name but also Chakotay <laughs> not dying um so yeah. he's gonna in fact let Carl kill him with the uh, weapon um, but then he's going to get the doctor and the medical team on standby and they're going to be mm. ready to immediately beam his um, body back to sickbay. And uh, he makes the good point to Carl that um, the medical team, his uh, medical team can mm. in fact reanimate people um, even up to two minutes after they've been dead. Um, so that's his plan. He's basically risking his life because um, obviously there's no absolute certainty that he can be brought back to life. Um, always risky um, to basically make sure that Carl um gets um his his name and is accepted back in his own people mm. so very self-sacrificing but this is not what actually happens no but uh, i think a very um cunning plan and in the mm. meantime voyager had been able to make contact with janeway and Chakotay on the um or restore contact uh, so mm. yeah he has that that's how he, i guess he has that on on standby but that's his plan is to kind of now that he's in contact with voyager uh but um, as as Janeway's making following the Kazon, they kind of fall into a trap, I guess, where they're mm. caught in a bubble. That was my impression. I'm not sure what the trap was. Behind a force field. I Behind think. a force field, thank you. So the Kazon managed to get to the cave first. And when they arrive, uh, Carr has his weapon trained on Chakotay again. Yeah. Mm. Um, what what did Chakotay call in again on the, uh, on the comm badge uh, to Voyager to... Beam him up on the uh, code what? Code white. That was the code. Yeah. The, the, um... yeah. And to have the doctor ready to resuscitate him. Mm. Suggesting he was planning, planning to let Carr shoot him so his heart stops. Jamie, you did it again. Jamie, just, just explain this. I know. I thought I'd do this one more time. <laughs> okay. You did it on purpose. That is serious. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so who wants to explain what happens next? So as I said, like... Um, I think well, Captain Jamie enters, but yes, we have this kind of standoff. Carr's got his weapon pointed at Chakotay. Yeah, well, I quite like the little turnaround. Um, I just thought there was a little bit of clever, clever thinking from Carr on this. Um, so he's all ready to, um, you know, go through with the plan. He's got his weapon trained on Chakotay. But then, um, in fact, um, he turns around and he shoots the Kazon leader, Razik, Um which basically effectively means he has a name for himself, and mm. he then basically pledges his allegiance to the next second in command, Marge, um, mm. who is now the um, leader, saying, you know, I've just killed um, Razik for you, mm. so that you are now the Marge, and therefore, you know, basically you owe me. But he also says, you know, therefore my life is in your hands and you decide what you do with me. Um, mm. and, but he has, you know, he's been quite ta tactical about this because... Obviously, that yeah. Marge now is um, quite, debt. quite, yeah, in his debt, really, because he's um, he's also got someone he knows is going to be super loyal to him. Mm. Um, so it actually works out both for best for both of them. But it is quite funny. I find that the story of this, the storyline, um, or the plot line, like it had to work out in a certain way. Like they had to get Janeway and the rest of them trapped behind the force mm. field <laughs> um, because obviously there's no way um, that they would let that happen. Because it involves killing a Marge and killing that's another, true. another yeah. being, um, even though actually that's 
how it all worked out for the best. <laughs> no, poor Razik's dead, but worked out well for everyone else. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was brilliant. And I think the new name he gives himself is Jar Cardain or something. Almost like Pierre Jordan. I don't know enough about what he's doing. I mean, maybe he's a very slick Parisian uh, case. Uh, and he has a fancy watch. Um, uh, yeah, so he, um, I think, uh, just to wrap that up. Oh, yes, but then he does still, like, have to act like a, or maybe he's being serious, Carl. I don't know, but when he turns to Dakota and he's like, the Federation does not belong here. If we meet again, mm. I will not hesitate to kill you. No, he seems serious in that instance. I think he is being serious, to be honest. There's a bit of a boundary there of just because we're friends doesn't mean that... uh, I won't kill you. I won't protect my territoriality. Um, Mm. But ultimately, Voyager is released, and uh, Mm. I guess the crew members are beamed back aboard. My notes are not very clear there. And Shikoshi resumes his ritual and prays to the spirit of his father again, asking for the guidance of the local spirit community. Yes, and he also asks, he also prays or asks, like, asks for, mm. for um, the spirit of his father to watch over a young troubled man. I think it's something like that. Yeah, mm. called Carl. Which is really sweet, actually. Don't know how Carl would respond to being called troubled, though. No, he would not, he would not uh, identify with that. <laughs> um so anything to add before we go into themes nope Uh, no i think we've just about covered it It it's pretty good i I mean is there uh, any element of dances with wolves in there or i've never seen dances with wolves i mean this oh great movie is it gonna make me cry that's probably why i've never seen it it didn't make me cry that doesn't mean anything (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm are you calling my wife's no, emotions just, meaningless because let me tell you they impact on me every damn day no this is why I only I watch sitcoms cry, and maybe. procedurals because they there's no hard uh, emotions do you know what I find adverts make me cry more than any movie <laughs> you know, this is like a donkey yeah. sanctuary oh. <laughs> they drive me crazy with the little <laughs> poor little animal faces oh dear <laughs> so emotionally manipulative um, I feel like I gave my uh, sort of key theme that I got from it away a bit earlier on, actually. <laughs> I felt like it was all about identity um, and where you get your identity. Is it a name that's given to you? Do you earn it? Or is it a gift? Um, and all these different like, explorations of identity, um, which is, I think, a nice theme, interesting theme. Yeah. I mean, I think about identity a lot now. I think... Um... The theme, I don't know, but I did think it was interesting, as you said at the, at the top of the show, Jamie, <laughs> which is um, like both of these, Chakotay was like uh, kind of executing or implementing something from his culture. This young kid, Cars, implementing something from his culture. They're so different. They clash. They almost lead to death. It's kind of crazy, I guess. Yeah. From my point. So it's like they needed Woolen Harim Dreamscape Mindforge consultancy architecture firm to help them sort it out. Again, I'm not going to edit the show. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately for our <laughs> listeners, that is not a real thing. So <laughs> but it will we, be. We oh, cannot be accused <laughs> of um, advertising. Although, you know, if it ever does come into being, then yeah, we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Are we? Um, no, sorry. Jamie, anything to add to themes? 
I mean, I was so tempted just to give you a one-word answer back of just meaning and then nothing else. Jenny's already covered that. No. Uh, I'll stick with the one earlier of um, contrast between culture um, and the differences in how cultural values ascribe meaning and value and a degree of what it means to grow to adulthood. Very nice. I think also on further reflection, it's almost, I can't help thinking that even if you manage to have common ground with someone, cultural can norms still be can, a still, can still overrule unless you really want the same thing. Ah, sorry. Yep, what you said. <laughs> because, I mean, like they have such a, yeah, kind of close, intense um, relationship and yet you would still kill him if you saw him again. Mm-hmm. Um. Star player. Wow, I have not thought about this. So, does anyone want to oh, keep that? Yeah, I've been. It's been on my mind the last few minutes, and I'm really struggling. Really? Jamie, Do, have we Jamie. got any doubt here? Go ahead. Jamie. Oh, I mean, I, I think uh, Carr really comes back from the dead. This one, like you know, kid manages to survive and become the power broker of uh, his entire case on Margate, while still at the age of thirteen, having committed a crime that would normally see him executed. Yeah, as Jenny said, he, ha- he makes some good tactical or strategic decisions. I don't know the difference. Mm. But yeah. <laughs> that really turns it around. Mm. And also, uh, have you watched Deep Space Nine? Yes. No? Car is Nog. Oh my goodness. What? Yeah. F starring shot front door. I know, I didn't pick it up until I read it in like in during my research. I wouldn't have realised. Oh. Wow. No, is Nog the... Um... Ferengi. He's not the main, the main character Ferengi. Is he the brother of the main character? He's the yeah. nephew. Nephew, right. Um, He's like the first Ferengi that becomes Starfleet, I think, by the end. Would oh, you rather one. Would you rather be a Kazon or a Ferengi? A Ferengi, for sure. Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why? They're so mean to each other. Because you're less and like You've to got be massive erogenous killed. ears that everyone looks at every day. <laughs> and yeah, their but... wardrobe is much more stylish. <laughs> Yes, but you might, as a Kazon, you you might get killed by your brother any day. You know, <laughs> or your, or your, or your, as a Ferengi, you'll just be swindled by your brother. Like, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Yeah, any, any, fun? oh, star players, Jenny, you and I, just like, ready to yeah, yeah, I, I really I struggled. I, I feel like there was no one that, you know, everyone did a good job, but no one sort of stood out. Um, but I think, you know, I normally do it on more, who's, who's the star actor or actress. Um, I think if we, I might change it slightly to more how you guys usually do it. If I do mm. it according to who was the star um, character, um, then yeah, I think I'd go for Carty because I, I do think that was quite cunning at the end there. Um, <laughs> and uh, good tactical decision. <laughs> And then I, I think maybe I'll just give us uh, maybe a special mention to Kez for being nominated a Kazon expert and going on her, I think, first away mission. <laughs> I don't oh, keep yeah. up with Captain Janeway. Yeah. Um, Does uh, no one give it to Trikoshi then? You know. I I think he's got some fantastic ones later. I, yeah, I don't think this I one. That's it. Yeah, it's quite well, it. I think the whole point of Claire. Of the, yeah, not really. yeah. I think the whole point of Player of the Episode is, is an attempt to get people thinking about, you know, who's performed well in an unorthodox way, because there's never been one where we've given it to the straight star of the episode ever. 
No. No, but I think we will later no. on yeah. a lot. Will we? Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, for sure. Spoiler. And actually, I think we have. I think I've given it to the doctor for the ones where he's been the main. The main. Um, have we? Did we do that one with Beowulf yet? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I must have given him that, that one. And I've definitely given it to Tuvok when Tuvok was the main. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, everyone has still got lots of opportunities to shine. We are only beginning <laughs> of season two. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the next episode is. I kept accidentally watching it, but I think the next episode is a big doctor episode because when Netflix just switched over, he like <laughs> activates himself and no one's on the ship or something. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I think. I think. <laughs> I'm not sure now. I've committed myself. <laughs> uh, but as for, I never look at the next name. Sorry, I don't have it. Um, you know, though, this discussion about cell player, like in how. You late thinking about it we think later on we'll have more star players who are the sort of main character in that mm -hmm. episode and it, it makes me think about how like generally with star trek it seems as though mm. it, it is a case of one of the enjoyable things about watching it as a series is that mm. you see actors and actresses who aren't necessarily um well you see them i feel like you see them grow as actors and actresses mm. and uh improve and um that's really satisfying and get given like very like uh interesting opportunities to um they kind of create stories that give them like the opportunity to display or flex their acting ability like i'm just thinking of that scene where i think far far in the future a seven of nine is drunk because she's actually the doctor <laughs> so they play, oh, wow yeah they play other roles or they play or is she drunk mm. or is she just like delirious on food i can't remember <laughs> um so yes they kind of um write these scenarios where they really get to um stretch or what's the word flex <laughs> their acting muscles mm. um but yes i think uh yeah that was pretty not too long guys and um funny story today i accidentally wrapped up a meeting after 30 minutes not 60 minutes because i got the timing wrong mm. so i was like okay well that's the hour i think we've covered everything thanks everybody <laughs> bye <laughs> my colleagues were like, nally we just mm. off you ended that meeting early i was like uh did i <laughs> <laughs> oh damn. Um, must look out for the notification from teams which is like five minutes left and not do anything <laughs> until i see it so on that note, I think it's safe to say goodbye and see you next time. A bientôt. Bye.